the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. As one listener texted in, that was the hardest of hard breaks. Yes, indeed it was. Timing was off there. So we will get to John Castillo in studio here in just a moment. But he's been waiting so patiently. I want to squeeze in before we welcome John, who's in studio right now. On to the program, I want to get to Joe in Arvada, who was telling me at the very end that he grew up as a Star Trek fan, which led into, I think was leading into a point. Joe, thanks for waiting longer. We really appreciate it uh, sticking around, so go for it. Hi, Jimmy. Yeah, well, the, the basic point is that the Prime Directive, the Prime Directive is equivalent to not intervention by the United States. That, that That is a principle that Donald Trump ran to election in 2016 uh, and, and will run again in 2024 at the same policy. See, we need to stay out of these uh, Ukraine kind of conflicts, uh, Vietnam. Can, I, I could go on for you know a long time listing Afghanistan and all of these different uh, military industrial complex uh, embroiled battles that you know wars that aren't even declared wars it's a nonsensical thing but but uh, you know the idea that we stand up to China is more something that has to be done economically economically and also uh, it's an information war you know, the idea that the Wuhan Institute, uh, the, the Wuhan Virology Lab uh, started the the virus was known to all of us, Jimmy, yes. for two years and three years plus months. Well, actually, when I say that when I us, I mean, conservatives that listened, Li Meng Yan, who worked at the Virology Institute, came out openly and said that they were working on coronavirus 19. And that was done in January of 2021. We saw it for our own eyes and everybody in the media buried it for now it's two years and three months. I mean, we knew more about it than I think some of the congressmen that are foolishly trying to hide it. Sure. Now this, this bill that just passed, I would not be surprised if Joe Biden vetoes it and then tries to rally support in the Senate to hmm. overcome a yeah a, uh, a the veto or to prevent them yes. from over overriding the veto. That that's for sure. You know, I think that's that's entirely possible. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I've never seen um, on such a big issue so much bipartisanship in a long time. As far as I think it was unanimous in both the House and Senate. But I I, I want to be respectful of our in studio guest. I know you had a comment you wanted to make on the state central committee meeting for the GOP today. Uh, real quick, Absolutely. what's your thought there? 
Well, it, Eric Odlin and Casper Stockham, uh, I I want to call them salt and pepper. I think they should be the two highest offices for the GOP. I don't know who is better suited to for the main seat. Uh, I like Casper Stockham. I'll be honest, for one reason, they can't say that we're not a diverse party if Casper Stockham is the is the chair. You know what? What are they going to say? I, I I know the Clarence Thomas, uh, you know, uh, uh, comments that that he's an Uncle Tom. No, Casper Stockham is the one of the smartest conservatives in in the state of Colorado, and he should be uh, supported for a couple of reasons. He was a supporter of Donald Trump. The best thing that could happen for Colorado conservatives is Donald Trump sweep the primary and become president again in 2024. We need to stop burying our head against Donald Trump. Yes, I know the squishy conservatives don't want to acknowledge that Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. We need to push them aside. Fair enough, Joe. I got to run. I appreciate the call. Thank you for your thoughts this morning at 303-696-1971 as we kick off the second hour here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Last week, there was an alert put out via none other than Vice President of the Denver Public Schools Board of Education, Tay Anderson and the secretary of the board, Scott Esserman. They are today holding a meeting, community meeting, in partnership with none other than Moms Demand Action, a gun control advocacy group, for a what they say is a community meeting on school safety. This event on March 11th today is at 11 o'clock, Manual High School. If you're in Denver, I encourage you to go check it out. I encourage you to go ask a question, to push back, be respectful, but let different voices be heard, especially if you have kids in the district that are willing to raise a question or to push back specifically on, say, the issue of restoring school resource officers to schools. They say this is an opportunity to discuss strategies for ensuring the safety of our children in schools, including gun violence prevention, mental health support, and emergency preparedness. Again, happening at 11 a.m. It will also feature Denver Police Chief Ron Thomas. Now, in light of this program today, which is particularly happening in the wake of the tragic death of a student, I believe 16 years old at East High School, Luis Garcia, he was shot a block or two away from East in Denver by reportedly, allegedly, Two other students from, I think, one car to another. And he died two weeks later. Meanwhile, more is happening in that front where you have also a shooting that took place 20 minutes after that East High School shooting outside the Emily Griffith campus, which includes DPS headquarters. And that was reportedly between an adult and a student. 
And this comes amid significant increases in gang violence. Then at East High School, a couple of days later, a gun was recovered from a student who had brought it to campus. We are hearing more and more about stolen guns, stolen from parents in particular, sometimes with serial numbers scratched off, showing up on DPS high school campuses. And meanwhile, again, they do not have school resource officers on campus in Denver high schools. That happened in 2020 and 2021. They also put into effect what they call a discipline matrix, which significantly limits the instances, the circumstances in which DPS safety folks can call the police to come to campus. And by the way, if there's any amount of damage, any cost and damage by a student to school property, they can't call the cops. And taxpayers have to eat that cost under the discipline matrix approved by the DPS school board. No wonder we are seeing crime time on campus right now in Denver public schools. In light of today's community meeting at 11 o'clock at Manuel High School and the ongoing concerns in Denver and elsewhere about school safety, I thought, you know what, I haven't had John Castillo on this show yet. I've been wanting to for quite a while and he has done great work on advocacy for improving campus safety and with good reason because his son, Kendrick Castillo, was the hero of STEM school in Highlands Ranch, the shooting that happened almost four full years ago. What incredible courage from a teenage student sacrificing himself for his peers. That should not happen. We need better school safety across the board, not just in DPS, but everywhere. I'm pleased to be joined here in studio by John Castillo. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me in today. Thanks for coming in. Now, I know we are a couple months away from the four-year anniversary of that horrifying day. Before we get into the school safety issues, what, what are your reflections as we close in on that anniversary? You know, we relive uh, that sad day every day, Maria and I. And my thoughts are when I look out and I see students like the student from East High School, Luis Garcia, who lost their life a block or so away from East High School, it brings back those same memories of what Kendrick had to do in his classroom to protect his schoolmates. And we can do more. We're better than that as a society. Um, but we have... We have... A lot of politicians, it turns political after every one of these events. I mean, we've seen it with uh, groups like Moms Demand Action and, uh, you know, Every Town, uh, Giffords, all of these organizations come out and they take advantage of a situation where there's been a life lost rather than coming up with viable solutions to stop, minimize, or end the problem. And that's really what our focus is. I mean, we live that every day. We live with our grief, but we search for solutions. Um, unlike these organizations, Maria and I don't force ourselves on students or situations or families that have experienced these, these losses. We're available to them if they need us, but we're not going to interject ourselves. That's wrong. We've seen that happen in the STEM school shooting. It happens in every shooting that takes place. 
Just give it 24 hours and you'll see the government. Many times, in our opinion, the government that created the very problem by having gun-free zones, soft targets that create these students and educators vulnerable to these attacks are the same ones that are trying to come with solutions that they never deliver on. Well, you talk about gun-free zones, John, and look, we have students that in spite of the fact that they are gun-free zones are bringing guns to campus in Denver. Increasingly, they are discovering these guns, sometimes serial numbers marked off, and they're stealing them from their parents who probably bought them legally, at least in some instances, and who knows with all the gang connections how many guns are not being purchased or, or obtained through legal means originally. What I mean to say is the 16-year-olds bringing a gun to school, like there's no legal basis for that. Um, and, and any standard, whether they're taking it from their parent or who may have purchased it legally, or they are getting it from a, an older gang leader. Exactly. So when you have a meeting like this at 11, put on by Denver Public Schools leaders with Moms Demand Action... It seems to me to be uh, irrelevant, a red herring. Set aside the the issue about gun control and the debate about that more broadly. That doesn't seem to be what the issue is with when it comes to campus violence. Right, you're right. And, you know, the, the conversation that doesn't take place that we never hear of through the media or anything else is how these ga- guns were obtained whether they're legal or if they're stolen. You know, they don't talk about that. I'd be very curious to find out the gun that killed Luis Garcia, where it came from. You know, stolen guns are out there. Um, You know, the gun is not really the issue. You have to address the problem. And the students are realizing that. As I've been watching this whole situation develop, you know, there's two separate groups in this case. Um, Ironically, Moms Demand Action is taking advantage of their day of advocacy to include this as they march to the Capitol. But I've noticed that there's other students who are pulling back and they're saying, no, it's not about the guns. It's about having SROs in our schools and feeling safe. And it's encouraging to see that young people are starting to realize that the removal of those security layers is not the answer and it's not going to help them long long term. Again, John Castillo joining us here in studio on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When it comes to school resource officers, and we're going to talk about other aspects of school safety. You have what you call a holistic approach that you advocate for and Maria advocate for in schools in Colorado and across the country. But I want to talk about the school resource officers aspect of this for a moment because, look, uh, Tay Anderson has called SROs that or claimed that those of us who advocate bringing them back into the schools and DPS are viewing it as a panacea as though it's like the one thing that will actually do the trick in solving this well having one on campus isn't the sole solution nobody is calling it a panacea but it is a deterrent I wrote about this a couple weeks ago in a, a column For the Denver Gazette, if a young person sees a police officer, they will likely be less prone to commit a crime, especially violent and or gun crimes. It can also provide a greater sense of safety and confidence for young people who may feel intimidation from their peers. And you and I were talking 
before we came on the air as well about how SROs are so critical in terms of providing intelligence when it comes to gangs and what's happening there with the increased gang activity among high school students in the last couple of years. Gathering intelligence, recognizing relationships, and, and they're plugged in to the law enforcement system in a way that DPS safety isn't, so they're able to access resources much better than DPS safety can. Absolutely. And, you know, when you introduce SROs into schools or other factions, groups that are going to be offering a layer of security in a school, they're able to focus on that. You know, you're not asking a teacher to become a mental health worker and a security resource officer. They're able to do their job and teach their children, do what they're educated to do. Well, there's somebody else protecting them and protecting the student. And that's really what you need. What we've seen through the years is uh, administration, uh, school admin grow exponentially and get paid pretty large salaries. Well, we don't provide any security in our schools whatsoever, whether they be charter schools or other public schools, that they are not funding you know, uh, the security side of it. They're not looking at the mental health side of it. They're not, uh, you know, looking at building programs of, uh, you know, to help improve the mental health of students, um, getting them involved in trades and different things that are needed in our society that will keep their mind in a positive place so that they don't go to a dark place where they want to either self-harm or kill other students. These are things that we can work at, and uh, these are things that Maria and I have put together as far as as far as our advocacy goes. Um, you know, it starts out uh, earlier. You know, it's interesting. This last week, I heard that threat assessments are now being looked at in uh, elementary grades and, and younger to see if they can find a pattern of uh, how they evolve and escalate. You know, I think that's important. We have to start with kids. I mean, we have broken homes and families and kids that have mental health crisis, and we're not addressing it early enough, and then it just festers and grows. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that coming up as we continue as well with John Castillo here in studio. I love this text. Prayers to John and Maria all the way from Lisbon, Portugal. Wow. Where it is, I checked, online, 2.23 p.m. (laughs) Well, it's 7.23 a.m. today. It's still on March 11th, but they are several hours ahead. Thank you so much for the text and listening in from Portugal. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show with special in-studio guest John Castillo as we continue on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show from his most recent album, the blues don't lie. It's the man I would consider the heir to B.B. King's throne, Buddy Guy, who's on his farewell tour and not coming through Denver, unfortunately, looks like. He's joined by Jason Isbell on this tune. It's called Gunsmoke Blues, and very much apropos to our discussion this morning on school safety and the importance of focusing on realistic, real-world ways to keep kids safe in Colorado schools anywhere across the country, but especially here where we can all make a difference, which is in Colorado. And we're talking about the broader issue, but also in terms of of Denver public schools, where there will be a community meeting today 
at Manual High School, led by Tay Anderson and Scott Esserman of the DPS board, and acting, uh, not acting, uh, Chief Ron Thomas of the Denver Police Department will be speaking as well, and Moms Demand Action is putting this on. And I thought, we need to have a real discussion about school safety. John Castillo here in studio, of course, his son, Kendrick Castillo, the hero of the STEM school shooting just under, or just over four years ago, May of this year will be the anniversary. Uh, John, we were talking a bit about school resource officers and the importance of restoring them into uh, DPS schools. You want to take that a step further, particularly in school districts that have school resource officers. Talk a little bit more about that aspect and armed staff. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot of options available. School resource officers are one of them, and we we support school resource officers, of course, being in schools. But there's also another option of having armed school staff. And the benefit to that, to us, is quite obvious. I mean, a school resource officer that's uniformed and in a school is easily identifiable. Uh, perpetrators that want to carry out a crime know when they come and go. Often they're shared between schools. They're not specifically in one school for 100% of the time. So if a school shooting or act of domestic terror, as we've come to call them, take place, um, they can be planned very easily by monitoring SROs. So armed school staff is a great viable option. The training, which I've gone through myself uh, through FASTER, is, uh, you know, surpasses what SROs go through. So they have that aspect of it. They're also trained in stop the bleed after a mass casualty event. Um, they're not uniformed. They can be anybody in a school. In fact, there are many teachers. A lot of people don't realize that are into shooting sports, have their concealed carry, have done training. Some of them are military veterans, ex-law enforcement that actually work within our school environments. And the benefit to that is they're willing to protect kids and staff um, at a fraction of what a contract of an SRO will do. So you can afford to have an SRO and then also have other staff within a school in various places and, you know, the protection becomes immensely greater in those environments. It is a deterrent. It takes these soft, gun-free zones, soft targets, and lets somebody know that, hey, you know, when you enter into this, you're going to be met with aggression if you try to do something horrible and slaughter children and teachers. And that's really what we need. That's why we advocate for this. You know what? At first, I looked at it very hard, thought about it, and then when I went through the training and I've seen places where it works, it just makes sense. I mean, it's natural. The people who are opposed to this are people who obviously hate guns or want to get you know think they can get rid of every gun and stop the violence, and that's just not the case. I mean, so, so much of this is about deterrence. We hear that word often in terms of foreign policy. You want to be a deterrent to American adversaries. That is important as a foreign policy principle. But when we're talking about teenage students who may come to school, not necessarily to do violence per se, but sometimes what you have increasingly in DPS, as I hear from folks who are sort of on the ground here in these safety situations, you hear about instances of intimidation where it's like showing a firearm to another student or that a student knows that that 
a, a particular student is carrying and intentionally trying to intimidate that student, particularly related to gang violence or gang activity. That's a, a very real thing. And whether it's on or off campus, school resource officers and others who are trained appropriately and properly, who are armed, can provide a significant deterrent effect because students will know there could be consequences if they are bringing a gun to school or engaging with with a firearm or what have you. Right, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, school districts and areas who have embraced this have been in rural communities because they know that there's not a significant amount of time for first responders or people to get yes, there great point. to help them. But, you know, where the need is greatest is in our urban settings. Um, you know, once a gun comes out every 17 seconds, you can count on somebody losing their life. Um, so school shootings, when we hear about response times and it's taken three minutes or four minutes or 15 minutes, I hear people say, wow, that seems like a fast time for uh, police officers to get to a school. It really isn't. There's a lot of damage at that point, and it's a recovery effort. You really need people who are on the inside waiting, and we've seen that in Uvalde and other places where have there there had been well-trained staff within a school ready to address the threat. It wouldn't have made it very far past the threshold. John, John Castillo again joining us here in studio on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. And again, appreciate your time. If you have any questions, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number now. You're not just advocating, you and your wonderful wife, Maria, are not just advocating for SROs and armed staff, of course, trained armed staff. You've got what you call a holistic approach, which has a couple of other things. And I want to talk about the family aspect. You talk about focusing on the strength of the family with early education, mentorship, involvement, enrichment activities, variety of different things that bring up a, a household where you have the family that's interconnected, you have good values in, in the kids. I mean, clearly that was on display in the heroism of your son, Kendrick. And so many students are brought up with good values, but there are so many who are missing out for one reason right. or another. Talk to me a little bit about that aspect. Yeah, let's talk about that. You know, the problem with our society right now is so different than it was in the past. We looked at where there was an absent father in a family and a single mother raising kids and, and, you know, them getting into trouble or doing things. You know, that was 15 or 20 years ago. Now we have a whole different problem compiled by that. You know, we don't have virtues. We don't have values that are built into our youth. Um, that is disappearing as people are leaving their faith. They're not returning to their churches. Um, they're they're making choices on their own that, you know, frankly, are poor choices. Um, I heard a quote I use, and it's pretty powerful. Um, you know, we have men out there who um, will be, what is, they'll be remembered, but, uh, let's see, they'll be for forgotten but not remembered because they're absent from their, their kids' lives. I mean, they, they provide, they give them housing, they're there, they're, they're fronting money for them, but they're not involved in their lives. And we see the same thing. It's not just men in our uh, suburban society. We have, you know, pretty nice homes that kids grow up in, 
and they're neglected. The families aren't there. They're able to, you know, send uh, Uber Eats to their kids and uh, Venmo them money, but they're not active in their lives. And that's a problem where we get. I mean, you talk about teen suicide. You talk about school shootings. So that's part of it. We have to have this approach where we have mentorship and we have people involved and you know, providing that home environment to our youth through enrichment activities. Kendrick was involved in robotics. Scouting is a good thing. You know, uh, whatever we can do, music, arts. If we have mentors who are willing to take on these tasks and work with kids, their mind typically will not take them to a dark place where they're going to either harm themselves or others. So that's another part of... uh, and a really exciting part of our advocacy, getting in there and doing that. I mean, you know, you have community centers, um, the trades that are deeply needed, teaching entrepreneurship uh, to youth. All of those things create positive brain functions so that they become healthy. John Castillo here in studio. Let's build off of that when we talk about mental health and mental health threat assessments because – this is such a significant issue. You talked about, mentioned the, the teen suicide rate. There are so many dramatic shifts that we have seen in the past few years, particularly because of the COVID school shutdowns that exacerbated these mental health issues, and it's only gotten worse. Now, of course, there are some policies. We have some bills in the legislature that are concerning regarding how they want to approach mental health. But the fact of the matter is we do need to address mental health issues in schools. What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. We have to address mental health issues. and We, we need to look at... You know, mental health is a buzzword that has a, a broad meaning to it to many different people. We have to really peel back the layers of the onion and see what that mental health means. Um, and it's going to be as individual to each student that is dealing with mental health. It could be grades. It could be a lot of uh, the CRT that we're hearing about in our schools that are confusing kids. Adolescence is hard as it is, but when you compile all these other things about their sexual ideology or different things that they're doing, it takes them to a different place. If they're confused and they want to self-harm, you know, the next progression in self-harm is maybe to harm others as well and martyr their lives to make a statement. So there's a lot of things we need to look at. We really need to delve deep into mental health and see that we can reach those things and how we're going to solve them. Uh, Some of it will be through counseling. Some of it is going to be through mentorship because let's be honest, I mean, some students feel better. They're not going to sit down and talk to a mental health counselor. They can talk to somebody they trust who is a mentor and something that they're involved in. So we have to look at different approaches to um, achieve that. And kids need to feel safe doing so, you know, so that's very important. I mean, that often gets forgotten as we go through this. I mean, it just gets tossed out there. Mental health, but there's nothing more. There's nothing further to it. And to really find out what that is all about, you need to go to the customer, which is the youth. You need to have kids tell you what they want. Through most of these things, we have groups like Moms Demand Action and the government and school board officials um, interjecting their ideas but seldom are they going to their customer, which are the kids who are affected by it, and asking what they want and really listening and creating panels. Um, you know, we just try to fix the problem for them, which doesn't really work. 
John Castillo, one thing that I, I like that you've proposed is the notion of reporting uh, on on things regarding school safety and doing um, independent third-party audits of safety protocols and procedures would include the mental health, threat assessments, self-harm, disciplinary problems, those kinds of things. Talk about this idea of an independent third-party audit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we can't have our school district schools or SRO organizations audit themselves. That's not going to work. I mean, we need somebody who is independent. I'm not for growing government and making an, uh, a bigger thing out of it, but there has to be a way that we can get an agency that's not friendly as far as having lunches or, or creating personal relationships with any of these entities that's going to go in and check their protocols. Um, how many... Um, you know, physical threats have you experienced? How many of these threats have risen to uh, police involvement? How many of them are, uh, you know, mental emergencies? How many of them have involved hospitalizations? And this stuff needs to be transparent to families, parents. When they go and look at it, it shouldn't be any different than when you go into a portal to check your child's grades. You should be able to see that a particular school is safe. And you should be able to tell that they've had X amount of maybe sexual assaults, physical assaults. Um, you know, you don't need to know the details of those. You just need to know that they exist within that environment. And if that's the right place for your student, if you want to keep them there, that is something right now that's hidden. People just don't talk about it. Well, we've got to go to a break, but I, I real quick, I want to mention relative to this, looking at um, an auditing of, of disciplinary problems in Denver public schools. They implemented, I mentioned it earlier, a discipline matrix in 2021 that significantly reduced punishments for a variety of different things, uh, significantly limited the circumstances under which DPS safety or officials can contact police. Often it is incumbent upon the victim, whether a student or a staff member, to call the police themselves to report an incident that took place on campus in a variety of different circumstances, the most serious being sort of the exceptions. You can even damage school property at any amount, and they can't call the police in Denver because of this discipline matrix. And to me, that is just utterly disastrous because not only does it mean law enforcement is less involved and you're not addressing these issues from a practical standpoint, but you're also teaching a lesson to the young people who are teenagers with their brains just being developed that there aren't consequences to most of your actions. Right, right. You know, that's dangerous and reckless. I mean, when you see that taking place, you know, it's just it, it's inviting harm. It's inviting uh, these assaults that we're seeing on our kids, the violence that's taking place, um, the swatting calls that we hear. You know, as far as I'm concerned with swatting, you know, it's a dry run. We have to treat these things serious. You know, every time that there's a swatting call and it turns out it's not true, you know, there's individuals out there looking. You know, you mentioned COVID. We never had a reintroduction program for kids after COVID who stayed at home and were probably – you know, yes. with mental health, plotting how they're going to harm others or do things. That's or just, not even harming others, but having or themselves 
but having these mental health issues just brewing because their lack of social connections and so forth. Right. That's yeah. a serious problem. There's no reintroduction for them. We have yeah. to think about those things. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so important. John Castillo, kind enough to join us for the hour here in studio. You are listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Got to run to a break. We'll be back with a few more minutes with John on the other side here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. I love this tune so much. My friend Tommy Castro with the great Joe Bonamassa. I'm tired. I love it. And you know what? I'm tired of what we're seeing in Denver. I'm tired of a school board that is feckless, unwilling to act responsibly for their students and more. As we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, real quick, I've been needing to say this, Colorado liberals want to allow so-called safe injection sites, keeping in mind all the bad things going on in this state now, they want to do that. But most people know that's a really bad idea. Safe injection sites allow addicts to get high on illegal drugs like heroin and meth without consequences. These safe sites are a magnet for trash and crime and only encourage addiction. Help us kill this bill. Log on to 710knus.com and click on the Colorado Undivided Banner to sign our petition to tell Governor Polis to veto House Bill 1202 to stop safe injection sites. Brought to you by Deep Colorado Wells, IEC registered agent Stephen Wells, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Back to the discussion of school safety I'm watching the clock this time at the top of the hour. we got about a minute and a half left. We've got John Castillo here in studio. I want to give you that time to offer up some final thoughts. We were talking about a few things during the break. What do you want to leave us with? Well, I'd like to leave everybody with the fact that, you know, school shootings, mass shootings, acts of domestic terror can be minimized. Uh, I don't know that we could ever solve the problem and make them go away completely, but we can minimize them greatly if we do the right things. We can't continue to let them be politicized in a way where it's used for the government to get elected to do things their own interest rather than the interest of our communities, our students, our educators. We see that all the time. We have a mayor's race here in Denver where we see people who are promising that they're going to, you know, maybe bring SROs back into schools and everything. If they're going to do that, why don't they do that right now? They have the ability to get out there and help these students, help these schools in Denver, and make sure that they can be safe, help the educators. But we are not seeing that. So I'll leave people with that. And I just want them to know that you need to get involved. You need to go to your school boards. If you have kids in any school, you need to be asking the question, how are you keeping them safe? What is your transparency? How are you letting families know that we have bad actors in our schools and today manual high school 11 a.m if you're a denver resident with kids especially go to that meeting put on by tay anderson and make your voice heard respectfully ask some good questions kendrick castillo would have been 22 this coming tuesday march 14th may rest in peace john he was a hero thanks so much for joining us thank you and your advocacy thank Thank you. you keep it right here Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.